Well, today we're going to continue our series called Don't Stop Now. As a church, we've been studying this Old Testament book of Haggai together, and I pray that God has been speaking to you over the first few messages in this series, and we're going to continue to dive into it today, and we're going to begin by reading Haggai chapter 1, verse 12 to 13. This is what it says. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, and Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of God's people began to obey the message from the Lord their God. When they heard the words of the prophet Haggai, whom the Lord their God had sent, the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave the people his message from the Lord. I am with you, says the Lord. For those of you who are watching online, for those of you who know me, I'm sure you've heard my testimony, my story before. I've been a part of this church all of my life. My parents brought me here as a babe in arms and uh, at the age of six, I heard my father read into me the Bible and shared with me about Jesus and what he has done for me, about his love for me and how he died on the cross and rose again. And so at the age of six years old, I surrendered my life to Jesus. I asked Jesus to come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. But you know, during my teenage years, I, I wandered away from the Lord. I, I got influenced by friends and done things I shouldn't have done. And I didn't have any interest in God whatsoever. But at 16 years old, I was invited by our church youth group to go along to a church youth summer festival called Soul Survivor. And I went along really just to look for a girlfriend and just to enjoy myself with my friends. But, you know, when I was there, I had a powerful encounter with God. And I chewed that gospel message again about what Jesus has done for me and how he does love me and how he wants to be a part of my life. And not just part of my life, but he wants all of my life. And so at the age of 16, there in Soul Survivor, I recommitted my life to the Lord. And, you know, when I came back from Soul Survivor, I was baptized here in our church. My dad actually baptized me here in our church. And, uh, you know, I was growing in my walk with the Lord, but I wouldn't really say I was passionate about the Lord. I, I wanted to become a teacher and I was interested in other things, not really passionate in that sort of sense about the Lord. I was growing in my relationship with him, but, uh, you know, I wouldn't say that I was on fire for Jesus. That was until the age of 18, where God really began to grip my heart and stir my heart. Now, growing up, I used to hate reading. I absolutely hated it, whether it was football magazines or whether it was the books that we had to read in school. I absolutely hated reading and I wouldn't read as a hobby. However, at the age of 18, my dad shared with me what God had done here in Wales over a hundred years ago, how God moved in incredible ways and he gave me this book, which was a book by Selwyn Hughes called The Diary of the Welsh Revival. And in this diary, it shared the, the events that took place here in 1904, here in Wales, about how God transformed our nation. How within six short months, over 100,000 people here in Wales came to know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. Crime rates dropped, you know, pubs and things like that were closed, you know, people's lives were transformed, churches were packed out. God was moving in people's hearts and within people's lives. And, you know, when I began to hear that story, it stirred something within me that I long to see that in our time. I long to see it in my lifetime. God pouring out his Holy Spirit and moving in people's hearts and lives in that way. That was always my prayer and that was the passion. That's what God really gripped my heart for. And you know, it's, it's still my heart today. I long to see God move in great ways and do something that only he can do like that, awaken every person within our nation. But you know, as we look 
at the state of our nation today. Even as we look at the church and the state of the church today, it actually seems like we're, we're a million miles off a revival. You know, I read an interesting article this week by one of the most well-known newspapers here in the UK. And this newspaper, they had carried out a survey at the end of last year to find out about what, how, what the impact of the pandemic was upon churches and upon followers of Jesus. And the results of that survey was actually quite shocking. The results of that survey said that here in the UK, churches' ad- attendance has dropped by two-thirds since the pandemic. It also said that there are many Christians who are not returning to church and will never ever return to church. And you know, it, it's, it said that many people have walked away from Jesus and, and they don't ever see themselves following Jesus again. You know, this, this season has had a, a real impact in a negative way upon their faith. And a spokesperson in that newspaper said these words. He says, these shocking results are a clarion call for the church. Without urgent change, the church becomes at risk, is at risk of becoming irrelevant very quickly and could lead to ruin. You know, after I read that article, my heart sank a little bit. You know, thinking of the state of the church here in the UK, people turning away from Jesus, leaving their faith is heartbreaking. And, you know, I began to ask the Lord in my own personal prayer time, I began to ask the Lord, you know, God, is revival really possible now? In the midst of this, where our faith, where many people's faith is in ruins, where it looks like the Christian church is in ruins, is revival really possible now? And God, if it is possible, then what can we do to get ready for revival? That's what I began to ask the Lord after reading that article. And, you know, as I prayed and waited on the Lord, the Lord actually led me back to this opening chapter here in Haggai. God began to speak to me and in particular through one of the verses which I'm going to share with you in a moment. I was actually going to pass this verse. I was going to skip past it and just crack on with the next message in our series. But God really impressed this message and this verse on my heart you know just a bit of a recap of what had happened to the people of God at this time the people of God they had disobeyed God and as a result of that an enemy came and destroyed the city of Jerusalem the city of Judah destroyed the people of God's homes and you know we see that the Babylonian empire came in and took God's people away into exile they thought it never happened but because of their disobedience they were led into exile taken out of their homeland, everything was destroyed and they were there in exile in Babylon for over 70 years. Then we see that God moves the heart of a a non-believer, an unbeliever, King Cyrus, the Persian king. And King Cyrus allows the people of God to go back home to their homeland and rebuild the temple of God. And the people of God, they're ecstatic. Obviously, as they get home, everything is in ruins. Their nation's in ruins, the city's in ruins, the place of worship where, where God's presence dwelt. The Solomon's temple, that was in ruins and their homes was in ruins. But you know, they were filled with faith and they began to rebuild the place of worship. That was the first thing that they did when they came back. And and the Bible says that they laid the foundations and everything was exciting. God was with them. They had relayed the foundations of the temple. God was moving in their midst. But not long after that, we see that the people of God faced opposition from within and also from without. The people of God, they lost their love for the Lord and they became cold and apathetic towards the Lord. They lost their passion for the Lord. And not only that, the the work on the temple came to a standstill because other people had complained about it. And the king at that time, King Artaxerxes, 
he wrote a letter to the governor and to the high priest to say that the work on the temple has got to stop. So for 15 years, work on rebuilding the temple, rebuilding the place of worship came to a standstill. But I'm so glad that our God is faithful to complete whatever he starts in your life and within his church as well. And we see here that God raises up this man called Haggai, who we know very little about apart from the fact that he loved God and he was a prophet of God, called by God to speak on behalf of God. And God gives Haggai this message to encourage the people, it's time to get back to work, guys. It's time to get back to work on rebuilding the temple. But we've seen that there was a problem. The people of God disagreed with God and said, actually, God, it's not the right time. Although it's been, on a sta- it's been at a standstill for 15 years, it is not the right time to rebuild the temple. They were making all these excuses. But why? Well, they were making these excuses because their priorities had shifted. They put themselves first instead of putting God first. And as a result of that, they'd focused on rebuilding their own homes, rebuilding their own lives instead of obeying the message of the Lord and instead of rebuilding the place of worship. And the place of worship, the temple, lay in ruins. But it was actually a, a reflection of something that else, something else that was in ruins. It was actually the people's love and passion and hunger for the Lord. That was ultimately what was in ruins. That's why the temple and the place of worship lay in ruins. So God encourages his people and sends a, a he cuts past it all. He, you know, he gets straight to the heart of the matter and tells the people, it's time to consider your ways. Haggai passes on this message to the people. It's time to consider your ways, to put God first within your life again and begin to move forward because it hadn't worked out. They had put themselves first and it hadn't worked out for them. They were planting and trying to harvest, but they weren't successful in that. There was inflation. They were just having a horrible, horrible time. And it was actually because God wasn't first. And so how do the people of God respond to this message from Haggai? Well, the Bible says they slowly begin to obey the Lord. And God blesses their obedience as we looked at last time. And he says that he is with them. But you know, what we see happen next is incredible. And this is what God spoke to me on this week as I began to read that article. Listen to what it says in Haggai 1 verse 14 to 15. So the Lord sparked the enthusiasm of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the enthusiasm of Jeshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and the enthusiasm of the whole remnant of God's people. They began to work on the house of their God, the Lord of heaven's armies, on September the 21st, of the second year of King Darius's reign. You know, the NIV translation says that the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel and all the people. The Good News translation of the Bible says that the Lord inspired everybody to get back to work. You know, while the temple, the place of worship, which represented where God's presence was, while that lay in ruins, God did something that only God could do. God revived his people in the midst of the ruins God revived his people God knew that before the work on the temple could be revived that the people's hearts had to be revived 
They had to have a passion to do this. They had to have that love for the Lord again. They had to love God and long to do this. God didn't, doesn't want just robots. He's given us free will and he doesn't just want us, you know, just following him begrudgingly and, you know, thinking, oh, you know, it's just about routines and all these things and rituals and religion. That's not what God wants from us. God wants a relationship with us. God wants us to love him and be passionate about him and the things of God. And so God, he stirs the hearts of the people. The governor, Zerubbabel, the high priest, Jeshua, and all the people. Nobody missed out. God revives the people, every single one of them. These people who were spiritually asleep, whose spiritual lives lay in ruins, who had no interest in anything other than themselves, suddenly had their hearts stirred by the Spirit of God, and they had this fresh passion for the Lord. They had a fresh passion and love for the house of the Lord and the work of the Lord. God did something that only he could do. And you know, the other prophet who came onto the scene at this time, Zechariah, whose book follows Haggai, he says these powerful words to Zerubbabel in Zechariah 4 verse 6. says, then he said to me, this is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. It's not by force, nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord, a Lord of heaven's armies. Here we see that God takes his people from literal ruins and spiritual ruins to revival. God revives his people. And you know, I, that's what I long to see in our time. I believe that is the greatest need of our time, the greatest need for our nation. We long to see God do what only he could do, revive the heart of his people. And revival always starts in the house of God. God doesn't just move out in the nation with unbelievers. It begins with us, the people of God, get in our lives, right? And you know, as I began to read that, I, I began to ask the Lord, Lord, is there anything that we can do to position ourselves for revival? Is there anything we can do to be revival ready, to get ready for revival? Yes, revival is ultimately a work of the Lord. Only the Lord can stir people's hearts. And I pray that he will do that in our congregation, within our nation, within the churches, up and down this valley. I pray that God can do it and only he can stir our hearts. But you know, as I began to read this, I began to discover that there are actually a few things that we as the people of God can do to get ourselves ready for revival. And I want to encourage you as well to take these on board. This revival starts with you. It starts with me. So how can we get ready for revival? Well, there are three clear things that we see in Haggai chapter one that we can do to get revival ready. The first thing that we see is found in Haggai chapter one, verse three to eight. This is what it says. Then the Lord sent this message through the prophet Haggai. Why are you living in luxury houses while my house lies in ruins? This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. You planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but you're not satisfied. You drink, but you're still thirsty. You put on clothes, but you cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you're putting them in pockets filled with holes. This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. Now go up into the hills, bring down timber, and rebuild my house. Then I will take pleasure in it and be honoured, says the Lord. The first thing that we can do to get ready for revival, to be revival ready, is to repent. It is to consider our ways, turn away from our sinful ways, and put in self first, and put God first in our lives. That's what repentance is. It's a change of mind, it's a change of attitude, a change of heart, that we were going in one direction, living for ourselves, living in sinful ways, in what ways? 
but we recognize that we need God again. We recognize how much God loves us and, and we need him again. And so we turn in the other direction to follow him. And that's what happened here, first of all, is that, that God's message came, this message of conviction. It was only because he loved his people. God didn't want to tell off his people. It's because of his love for his people that he wants them to, to love him again. And, and God tells them, look, consider your ways. Get your life right again. Stop living for yourself and put God first. And I believe that's what we need to do, first of all, here today, in our time, in our nation, in our generation. If we want to see revival, then we need to repent. We need to put God first, say sorry for our sins, turn away from our sins and live it for ourselves and put Jesus first within our lives. You know, the revivalist Charles Finney, he once said this, revival is a renewed conviction of sin and repentance, followed by an intense desire to live in obedience to God. It's giving up one's will to God in deep humility. So the first step and the first thing that we can do to get ready for revival, I know it's an old fashioned thing, but it's a biblical thing. It's truth is still the same today, is to repent, to put Jesus first, to say sorry for our sins and put Jesus first. The second thing that we can do to get ready for revival is found in verse 12 of Haggai chapter one. It says then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel and Jeshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of God's people began to obey the message from the Lord their God. The second step to get revival ready is to obey the Lord. It's not just hearing what God is saying, but it's acting on what God is saying. It is doing what God is saying. You know, James says in, in his letter in the Bible, he says, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word also. You know, I love what Pastor Charles Stanley, he says, he says, you'll never go wrong obeying God. It is a thrill and honor to obey God. People think that obeying God is about rules, regulations, and it weighs us down and limits us. It's the most freeing thing ever to obey God. Jesus says that he has come to give life and life more abundantly. It is an honor and thrill to obey God. And if we want to see revival in our time, then we need to obey the word of the Lord, to get our lives right and do whatever God is calling us to do, to obey his word, not just listen to it, but obey God. Let's be an obedient people. You'll never go wrong by obeying God. And finally, the third thing that we see here in Haggai, how the people got ready for the Lord to stir their hearts, how we can get ready for revival is found again in verse 12 of Haggai 1. It says, when they heard the words of the prophet Haggai, whom the Lord their God had sent, the people feared the Lord. The people feared the Lord. Now we need to understand here what the fear of the Lord is. The fear of the Lord isn't to be scared of God, but here the fear of the Lord, it means to honor God and to, to have this reverence and respect for God. You know, the Bible says that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. You know, the Bible says the perfect love casts out fear. In the Bible, it encourages us time and time again, not to be afraid, don't be afraid. Jesus says that time and time again. But you know, there is a good type of fear and that is the fear of the Lord. In Proverbs, it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and understanding. And this fear of the Lord is this honor and respect for the Lord, recognizing who he is, that he is God Almighty. It's recognizing him and having this reverence for the Lord. And this is needed in our day, in our day, to humble ourselves and recognize that we are nothing without him. It's because of him that we exist. Because of him, we have the hope of salvation and eternal life. It is him who's created us, gifted us, called us. It is him and him alone. And the third step that we see here to, to see it getting ready for revival is to humble ourselves, to have the fear of the Lord. 
You know, true humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking of yourself less. That's what true humility is. And, and you know, these people, they thought of themselves first instead of God. But here we begin to see the shift taking place. They obey God and then they have this fear for God once again. God's in his rightful place. They have this respect for God and they humble themselves before the Lord. And so as we come to a conclusion today, what happened as a result of their repentance and their obedience and, and their humility? What did God do? Well, the Holy Spirit, God himself, stirred the hearts of his people. There was a revival in the midst of the ruins. God took his people from spiritual ruins to revival. You know, I believe today that God is willing to do that in our time. We need it in our time. Maybe you were watching this today and you need that. Maybe you once followed Jesus and you've fallen away from God, turned away from God, rejected God. Maybe you feel you've lost that passion and that love for Jesus that you once had and you've been wondering, is, is, there, any, you know, is there any way that I can ever get this back again? Well, I believe that God is willing to pour out his spirit in these days. I believe that God wants to pour out his spirit and move in revival. I believe that revival can start today in you. I believe that God can start revival in me. God has promised it in his word. He's promised in the prophet Joel and then Peter spoke about it in the book of Acts that he will pour out the spirit upon all flesh in the last days. God said he will do it. But the challenge comes to us today, to you and me today, is do we really want it? And if so, will we get ready for it? Are we willing to get ready for it? You know, one of my favorite preachers of all time, you know, Leonard Ravenel, he once said this, this great man of God. He said, the only reason we don't have revival is because we're willing to live without it. But you know, I'm not willing to live without it anymore. I believe the challenge of the Lord comes to you and me today to repent, to obey the Lord, to humble ourselves and watch what God will do in it through our lives when we do that. Watch how God will move. God's already moving in our church as we're seeing at this time. People are getting saved. People are coming back to Jesus. Even last week, see my, I led my uncle to the Lord who had turned away from the Lord for 25, over 25, 30 years he had turned away from the Lord. But God stirred his spirit. God stirred his heart and he surrendered his life to Jesus once again. He recognized his need for Jesus. And, you know, God is moving in our church. You know, whilst newspapers are saying that the church is in ruins, Jesus is saying that he is building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I believe that before Jesus comes again, we're going to see a revival in our time. I believe in for full household salvation, miracles, signs and wonders. I believe for that. But I believe the challenge of the Lord to us today is, will we get ready for it? Let's repent of our sins. Let's obey the Lord. Let's put Jesus first in our lives. Let's humble ourselves. And then we're in that position for God to move in great ways within our lives. And I just want to end by reading this verse to us. This has been described as the ingredients for revival, the, the prescription for revival. 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14. Then, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. Let's get revival ready today. Let's get ready for revival and let's make that our prayer. Lord, stir our hearts. Amen.